Tom Pecora, the head coach of Fordham Basketball, is joining us here in the studio. First of all, Coach, thanks for coming in. How are you today? Good, guys. Always a pleasure. Coach, thanks for joining us. So, so you're 1-0 in conference play. You said it's the start of a new season. How does it feel to be undefeated in conference play? Well, it feels fine. You know, uh, <laughs> you, you celebrate or commiserate till midnight, and, and then you start thinking about UMass, you know, and we just came out of a good practice and get ready to have the Minutemen in here tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Obviously, it's exciting uh, to be into conference play. I think the guys are fired up about it. I think they were just thrilled to play at home and, and then not have to pack and leave again. So uh, to have back-to-back home games is special for us. And, uh, you know, a good UMass team, a team that we, we felt we had beat up there last year, and a uh, little Chazzy Williams, that little bugger, he snuck <laughs> in. And my guy from Hofstra, he was my starting point guard at Hofstra. And uh, he snuck in early on a free throw attempt and got an offensive rebound, and that kind of put the game on ice up there uh, in, in a game we really competed hard in. So uh, I think it's going to be a great venue and uh, a great crowd Sunday afternoon and uh, see what happens. Coach, so many players making contributions the other night. Uh, we had the usual guys, Frazier, Gaston, and Canny. Uh, but a few of the young guys really turned some heads uh, in the gym the other night. Between Thomas, Leonard, and Rooms, do you think those guys are at the level now where they're comfortable and confident enough to be regular contributors? Well, they need to be. You know, if we're going to win in this conference, they need to be. Obviously, that's what you hope the residue of such a tough, tough early schedule is, that these young players are getting minutes. They're logging minutes against good teams on the road, and it toughens them up and prepares them for conference play. I, I was very impressed with all three. I thought they it, it was really a team effort. When I talked about it at the end of the game, everyone who played in the game did what we need them to do. They played within themselves, and, and I, I told them when we do that, we can be a dangerous team. That's funny. We were talking to Coach Duke after the game. Where did those hops from Mandel Thomas come from? We've seen it all year, and then he had a few the other night. Was that something recruiters knew about? Yeah, he's a big-time athlete. I mean, when we recruited him, I saw him a couple times, you know, just go up in traffic and throw the ball down on people. And he is a uh, he really has a chance to be a tremendous defender as well as a good offensive player But because he can go get the ball once it's left people's hands, as you saw the other night on a couple jumpers. And, Absolutely. Uh, and he can really be helpful from the weak side. He's got good foot speed. But, yeah, he, he's a sick athlete, that's for sure. <laughs> now, going back to that Duquesne game, you had two players who had a double-double. You had two other players who were close to getting a double-double, 12 or 13 blocks. Would you say that was the most complete game, the most complete 40 minutes that you've played this year? Oh, very much so, uh, without a doubt. I think, well, you know, as I watched a film a couple times, it was hard to find, you know, negative. There were small little stretches. Our transition defense is something we continue to work on, I think, you know, uh, like a lot of young teams, they get up 10 and all of a sudden, you know, we call it the varsity trot. They start, you know, jogging down after a made basket. And Duquesne did a great job of just continuing to push the ball up the floor. And Coulter had a lot to do with that. They're, they're a little freshman point guard. And tomorrow we're going to see the quickest point guard in the league. So we better be on our horses. You know, uh, changing ends is going to be very important for us. Now I want to get to your point guard, Brandon Frazier. Uh, you know, starting the season, he was more of a two guard uh, with Jermaine Myers running the point guard position. But really since... I think it was the Princeton game. Uh, we've really started to see Brandon mold into the point guard. We know he can be the leader on the floor. How in sync is he with his teammates right now? Well, he came off. That was just a magnificent performance. Obviously, 13 assists, one turnover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the turnover was debatable. Whether You know, we, we talk <laughs> about whether they're real turnovers. Or, You'll push for that to get erased, right? <laughs> uh, well, you know, just, I, I mean, if, if you throw the ball to a big and it just bounces off his hands, right, you know, right. but you get you get charged with it. But, uh, yeah, he, he had a wonderful floor game that night, and, and every night's not going to be that special, but we do expect him to continue to move in that direction. His assist-to-turnover ratio is great, and I think Jermaine Myers, as a freshman, 
you know, has has uh, moved into a role that he's very comfortable with. I think it's good for him to sit on the bench in the beginning of the games and see what players are like, you know, their style of play, more so live than you would watch on tape, all the tape we watch, and then to, to be that role player. And I thought he did a very good job playing within himself the other night. I thought he did a very, very good job in the first half especially. Well, Coach, the uh, Fordham fans out there, they knew you were coming on to talk with us here on One on One, so they sent in some questions to us. Let's go through a couple of them. And really there's about three or four questions that all really ask the same thing. And they say, can we play a traditional offense with two guards and three big men in there at the same time, or are you more of a fan of the three-guard attack? Well, we're out-rebounding everyone, so the big issue uh, right now is, you know, why? You know, uh, I've always been a three-guard guy, and there's a lot of reasons for it. I mean, if we could find a special... Six five six six guy who can shoot the ball, put it on the ground, and do all of those things. Uh, we're going to recruit him, especially you know if we can get him. Uh, from my experience and the success that we've had playing three guards, you take care of the basketball, you turn it over less, you shoot the ball better. Uh, you know you can control tempo, which is key in college basketball. And as long as you're not getting beat up on the backboards or on post ups, which uh, hasn't happened to us in the last month or so. Early in the year, it did a bit. Uh, I think you're in pretty good shape that way. It makes you a more skilled team. And the reason for that is there's fewer uh, big people out there that can play. It's a pyramid in recruiting. So the top of that pyramid, the point of it, are all the 6'10 guys in America that can play basketball. Uh, 6'10 finished product is not coming to Fordham. Uh, you work your way down the pyramid, and then you can find more 6'8 guys and even more 6'6 guys that might be playing out of position. When you get towards the bottom of that pyramid, there's a ton of people between you know, 6' foot and 6'3 that can really play. And we've been able to steal uh, guards that are, you know, some of them playing in the NBA and, and guys who went on and were all-conference players. And you can get guards that are as good as the guards at the highest level. Getting big people is difficult. So what you need to do with your big guys is is uh, every big guy we've recruited over the years has been lacking one major skill. Otherwise, they'd be in the Big East, ACC, Big Ten, something like that. And then with big guys, you have to project what they will be by the time they're juniors and seniors and develop them. Uh, obviously, you're developing your guards as well. But that's the basic premise for that. Now, in next year's recruiting class, we do have a couple guys who can really shoot the ball that have good size. So uh, if there are chances of playing uh, big, uh, I think there will be some more chances of that happening next year. Right now, our roster is not built to do that. I think um, the other thing that you do is when you go recruit, you look and you say, what position can that guy guard? If you look at the the bigger, more athletic guys on our team, uh, a Chris Gast and a, a Luka Zavosik, uh, they're not going to go out and guard three men, you know, uh, off the bounce. So um, I, perhaps some of the people we have coming in can do that. And, and I wanted to follow up because we have another question here, and it's about recruiting. And I'm not sure how much you can actually say on it, but this is another email question, and it says, do you feel that Manny Suarez, a player that you that you recruited, is he capable of replacing Chris Gaston, and where does he rank on your recruits of, of that you've ever had? Uh, he's Well, you know, once again, recruiting is, uh, you know, it's all about potential and seeing what guys can do. Uh, I can talk in generalities, and I can say that uh, I'm, I'm excited about all three that are coming in. Uh, uh, one of them is going to have a bigger impact, I think, initially than the other two. And, uh, yeah, someone is going to step in and do maybe not exactly the same way Chris Gaston does things, but one of those players or a Travion Leonard, or, you know, a, a Ryan Rooms, uh, you know, I think Ryan will probably be more of a five than a four. But uh, you look at Travion the other night making jump shots, feeding the post from the, you know, from the high post, playing high-low basketball, and his foot speed is, is exceptional for a guy his side. So maybe, uh, and then you're talking about 
this is like Mahorn and Ruland back in the NBA if you put Canty and, and Leonard out there. And once again, you project them as juniors and seniors. I want you to think about being a freshman somewhere and coming out and having to play against Ryan Canty and Travion Leonard when they're both seniors. Yeah, not going to be easy. No, it's going to be scary. It's going to be like attacking an offensive line in the NFL. So, <laughs> it's almost you know, to that point now. Yeah, I know. I could run for 1,000 yards behind the two of them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the way we project out our bigs and our guards. But someone, yeah, is going to have to step up. And I think Chris has done a very good job as a sign of maturity with him as to temper his game. You know, his assist-to-turnover ratio isn't good, but it's much better than it was. His uh, shot selection is much better than it was. He's understanding where his wins are coming. And at times, he's giving the ball up and allowing guys to make plays because he knows that's the uh, respecting the game, making the right basketball play, and making winning plays. And I think that's got a lot to do with uh, our success over the last month. Now, I want to keep going with this uh, the three-guard position because you've talked about it with us and your I think your main element of it is that you want guards guys like Jeff Short, Brandon Frazier, Brian Smith who are going to be able to go up and get you rebounds uh, at times. You've talked about that many times with us. Uh, here's something you're going to like. Last 3 games the guards have averaged about 15 rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. How thrilled are you now to see that you know the smaller guys, you know, in comparison to the bigs have begun to step up and grab some boards. Well, they have to, and I've threatened them, you know, uh, with <laughs> minutes, and I've told them that's part of it. You know, we come from a history of coaching where our guards, you know, average six rebounds a game. So uh, we've had guards go out and get double-doubles, triple-doubles, because they're right. on the backboards. So they have to be, and hopefully you recruit tough enough kids to do that. You know, rebounding, is it's 80% heart, you know. I mean, there's some technique involved, but if you're a pit bull and you go after people, uh, especially bigs, you know, guys forget – whether it's setting a screen, being screened, or, or boxing out, big guys do not like guards getting into their legs really aggressively. And, and uh, it's something we work on with the backcourt players uh, about rebounding the basketball. At times we talk to them about if it's a big center, just don't let him get it. Don't you worry about you getting it. Just stand him up kind of the way uh, NFL cornerbacks used to be allowed to do with the receivers in the good old days before they weren't allowed to touch him. So we'll just kind of give him a shiver and stand him straight up and keep him off the boards and allow your bigs to go get the basketball. And it seems like the rebounding numbers have continued to, to get better as the season goes on. Do you think that's a testament to the younger guys like, like Kenny and Leonard? Are those guys just playing better, or has it been more of a, of a team effort? Well, both. I think the big guys understand what their roles are, and they understand, you know, this is a learning process. That we're, you know, with, with the exception of Chris Gaston, and, and even in Chris's case, he's not a finished product. You know, we still have half a season to go, and he's going to continue to work on his game and get better. And I've seen seniors just do incredible things the last 10 games of their careers when they realize I have 10 games left in my college basketball career and, and, and start doing special things. But the rest of these guys are just puppies, so they're just getting better and better each time we take the floor, in my opinion. I want to talk about uh, Ryan Canty and his performance the other night. Uh, another really good showing. If you look at the box score, it's kind of weird because he had 12 points, 16 minutes, which is really, I, I think, a testament to his instant offense, instant energy off the bench when he's in the game. Mm-hmm. You took him out after some early foul trouble. Me and Alex mentioned it. Uh, he seemed a little bit too fired up. Uh, I mm-hmm. think you cooled him down a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, I'd rather have to do that than the other way. You know, yeah. I'd rather have to deflate a tire and pump one up all the time. So. Uh, you know, with Ryan, he is. He comes he comes out with a football mentality, and he wants to put his body on yeah. somebody. And, you know, he got frustrated. I, I think you remember he got that offensive rebound, and instead of taking one dribble and dunking the ball, he tried a shot. Yeah. It went off. You know, it was, we, we call those scud missiles. They yeah. go, they're kind of out of control, and it shot over the top right, of the board. And then he right. was so upset with himself, he just goes and fouls the guy. <laughs> well, that's a silly, immature yeah. foul, and it's something we've talked to him about. We don't need our 
six nine, two hundred and forty pound center fouling someone ninety feet from the basket. Yeah. You know, just say, All right, I made a mistake, next play. You know, that's right. the term I use with Ryan all the time. Next play. Put it behind you, next play, and just make your play. But he plays with great energy. I think people watch him and they're, and they're, I've gotten so many uh emails, letters, uh messages uh from, from fans and coaches alike, other coaches saying uh, how impressed they are with his development and how much better he's gotten over the summer. And, and I think that's a positive. Man. Now he's got to keep it up. He's got to keep those kind of numbers up. And you talk about that particular play because I remember it. I remember Alex saying the hard part of that play is to go up and get the rebound, which right. he did. Right. Uh, you know, and, and that's something that he has been such a spark plug for you guys in terms of offensive rebound. I think he's top five in the A-10 in offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of a spark does he give you on that and being able to go up and get that rebound? It's the hard part. Well, especially at the offensive end. I mean, yeah. he... Uh, uh, you know, we keep stats on everything, obviously, but uh, one of the stats we always keep to show our guys how important defensive rebounding is for us is we keep our defensive field goal percentage. And then what is our defensive field goal percentage after we give up an offensive rebound? And it jumps up to nearly 60% the majority of the time because so many of those are, score, you know, rebound layup, rebound dunk, rebound kick it out for a three. So uh, when Ryan can secure the ball like that for us, that's a big-time play. That can be a game-winning play. I mean, earlier in the year, Brandon Frazier had what we call a tap-back on a missed free throw, and, uh, and, and that was the difference in us winning the game. You know, uh, it, it was a big play down the stretch. So offensive rebounding is very important. The only time it becomes a, a moot stat is when you have a team that's shooting the ball so poorly. At the end of the game, you know, you're shooting. I went to the Knicks game last night with my son, right? And then the Knicks, you know, they, they were shooting like 28% in the first half. So you look at rebounding stats – they're not genuine because there were just so many rebounds to be had right. because you're shooting the ball wrong, uh, poorly rather. So uh, the, the most important stat is always offensive field goal percentage. And then the other stat is if you look at offensive rebounds, the majority of the time you can tell which team is playing harder by the number of offensive rebounds. Now, Coach, you told me after the Ole Miss game that you were going to sit down with each of your players, talk to them one-on-one, grade them of how they're playing. Do you think that – has sunk into them, you know, going into that Duquesne game, and think that maybe sparked them a little bit. I hope so. I mean, it's a learning process, guys, and and you know, uh, they they all responded very well. Interestingly enough, you know, not one of them thought they got gypped on a grade. A lot of them thought they were they should have got lower grades than they got, and that's uh, you know whether they're just saying the right thing to the coach or not. You know, uh, you know that, that sometimes I got to sneak up on them. You know, with these individual meetings, and not give them time to think about it before I meet with them. But they were pretty, uh, they were pretty positive about it, and and I think it's important for all of us too. I met with my staff about it, and I talked to them about what we need to do better as a staff, and uh, what we need to do with each player. And I shared with them the players' thoughts. Uh, you know, those that uh, that I could share with them about what they they think they need to do and how they need to work on it. And the other thing is, during break, we've been practicing twice a day. And the second practice is generally shooting and, and, you know, really walk through and technique and, uh, you know, getting through a couple of the things. And and I think that's made us better, especially with this younger group. So we have a couple more of those, obviously. And then uh, I think today actually is our last one. And then we're back to class with Monday. Now, this next uh, email question here comes from Bill from uh, Fordham College of 71, class of 71. Uh, Coach, congratulations. The Warriors, 71. The Warriors went to the Sweet 16. Uh, (laughs) Of course, good luck against UMass, he says. Uh, A few weeks ago, you said that you would not stop recruiting for next year because some players may decide to leave. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about your plans to sign any additional players in April? Yeah, well, we don't know yet. Obviously, we're out all the time. Uh, You know, uh, my assistants were out at some high school games last night. Uh, we'll be at some games during the week. Recruiting never stops because, once again, you're out looking at freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and there are a handful of seniors we're looking at that that are unsigned 
And you have to stay on top of that because you never know. Once again, players leaving, players, God forbid, getting injured. Uh, there's so many different things that can take place. So uh, recruiting, you know, the, the old expression is it's like shaving. If you don't do it for a day, you look like a bum. <laughs> so, but that was before it was very in to have a two-day growth, like all you young guys' sport. So, uh, but you, you just Fashion have to Fashion tips with Coach Bacora. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it, it is constant recruiting. And uh, we are out and, and we use every resource. Uh, I mean, I get uh, no less than a dozen, half a dozen emails a day regarding prospective players that have interest in Fordham, and they're forwarded to Dave Duke, who's our recruiting coordinator, and then he distributes them depending on, uh, you know, their location geographically. If it's a European kid, it goes to Parada. If it's a Westchester, Connecticut kid, Tommy takes it. If it's a New Jersey kid, John Morton takes it. A city guy, David does. You know, so we kind of whack things up that way, and we get on it. And everyone who sends us a letter gets a letter back or some type of response, you know, whether it's we're not recruiting that position, but we appreciate your support. We obviously do our research and through scouting reports and through lifetime relationships. You know, we'll be able to make a phone call or two and, and find out if, the, if, in fact, that young guy is our level player. Uh, it's about being efficient with your time, efficient with your money. You're not going to go jump on a plane and fly somewhere and, and go watch a kid who can't play. So, uh, you know, you want to make sure you do all your research. But recruiting never ends. So uh, we're going to be out there and continue to work at it. And, Coach, this is another email or question. This, one's come, this one comes from Mike. It's very short and very to the point. Mike says, Jared Fay never plays. Why is that? He's not good enough. Uh, you know, uh, when he's good enough, he'll play. Uh, you know, Jared Fay, no one works harder. Uh, you know, Jared came in, and when we recruited him, we talked to him about his role and what it would be with this team. You know, um, you can't have 13 guys on the floor every night. You can't have guys, uh, numbers 11, 12, and 13, that expect to play a lot of minutes each night. I don't think there's anywhere in the country where that happens. Jared's role was to come in and, and develop as a player, and if indeed he does develop to the level we think he can, then by his junior, senior year, he could become a role player for us. Uh, but he's a tough kid. He makes our practices better. You know, one of the things you do when you recruit is you recruit program players and you recruit guys that are going to push guys every day. Uh, you know, and I think that that's important. Uh, Jared keeps working at it. He, uh, I was giving him a hard time the other day. I said, spend less time in the gym and more in the library because he didn't kill it this semester. But uh, he's, a, he's a pleasure to coach. He's uh, great for us every day in practice. And he makes us better every time he steps on the floor. And that, you know, second, that other year of eligibility, redshirting him last year was probably a good decision for him. Uh, talk about UMass here for a sec. Uh, they come in tomorrow, close loss to St. Louis uh, on the road in their opener. They move the ball around, as we've said, very, very well. They have about a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, and that certainly starts and ends uh, with their point guard, Chaz Williams. Yeah, you know, the ball's in Chaz's hands for them 90% of the time. He's the maestro. He, you know, he really makes all of the plays. And he's, he's tough. You know, he lives in the lane. He's about 5'8", you know, but uh, tough as nails, gets into the lane and distributes. You You know, at times you almost have to make him score the ball in the lane and not, not jump to him because even on a missed shot, everybody's just rotating to try to stop Chaz. And then there's open threes, there's offensive rebounds, things of that nature. So containing him is, is a key in everything that you do against them. And then making sure that he doesn't create easy shots for them. So off the ball, you have to stay very disciplined when you play UMass. I think they've done a, a great job. Of, they recruit long, athletic players. Uh, you know, I think we're going to uh, be a bit stronger and more physical, and I think we're going to have to take advantage of that in the paint. Uh, I hope that that's the case. But uh, Chaz is the key when you play against them, and that's why he's a first-team all-conference player. You know, as you guys know, we go down to St. Joe's. I play against Halil Konasevich, who was a teammate of Chaz's, and 
uh, you know, it's tough because those guys are real, real good players. So I saw them before the game, uh, before uh, their practice, rather, today after we practiced, UMass came in. And, you know, we talked a little bit. I want to make sure I get to see his mom tomorrow. He's really a wonderful kid. And I believe there's going to be a nice article on both him and Brandon Frazier playing against each other in uh, tomorrow's New York Post. So uh, that'll be a good thing for both young men. They're, they're good guys, both of them. They, they deserve that kind of publicity. Florida men's basketball head coach Tom Pecora, thank you for coming on with us, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow at the Rose Hill Gym. All right, guys, always coach, a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank we'll see you, you tomorrow. All right, thanks, guys.